This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. You know, while we're not teaching, obviously we're not teaching our teams to self-deploy and put them in harm's way, uh, we want to bring them back to the table and to empower them and to engage them in the preparedness discussion and all of the preparedness uh, strategies to help make our uh, communities uh, more prepared and more resilient. Hi, welcome to Ian Weekly, your emergency management podcast. And this is your host, Todd DeVoe. And this week, we are talking to Dr. Ryan Akers, the founder of My Preparedness Initiative, also known as MyPI. This is a youth preparedness program. And as emergency managers, we need to embrace working with our local high schools and youth programs and to get youth excited about preparedness. Because realistically, if we can get them excited about preparedness, we can get the families prepared and really extend resiliency and preparedness throughout our communities. So my PI is a great program. It's an award-winning program and it comes with lots of support. So if you guys are interested, listen to this podcast and really reach out to, to Ryan and the my PI program and, and get one going in your community. Now let's get into the interview. So, Ryan, welcome to Ian Weekly. Thanks, Todd. I'm uh, happy to be here. So one of the things I, I like to ask, and uh, those that listen to the show for a while get it, but I like to figure out where people came from and how they got to emergency management. So how did you get down this pipeline of emergency management? Yeah, that's a, um, an interesting question, and um, I'll try to hit the highlights of it. I didn't take the most um, convenient route into emergency management or the most accepted route, and I guess we we'll probably all sit back and say, well, is there an accepted route? Um, <laughs> but uh, with me, it was probably a little different than most. Um, the early part of my career uh, was in college student affairs administration. Um, based on my really uh, love for working with college students um, and uh, seeing them develop holistically uh, across the educational experience and uh, getting my hands involved in in pretty much all of the functional areas of college student affairs. Uh, and I really envisioned a, a career um, as a student affairs administrator. Uh, but I had some things that were happening around the scene, uh, kind of behind the scenes as I was growing up. I didn't really know that I had a whole lot of interest in it at the time. Uh, and to be honest with you, it probably did not hit me until I was a grad student at the University of Georgia, uh, which uh, coincidentally, I started uh, my PhD work at the University of Georgia um, in August of 2000, uh, of 2001. Um, so obviously a, a very significant event, uh, occurred, uh, not too long after, just a couple of weeks after I started. Um, and that program really, uh, drove from the, from the very early days of, uh, of your entry into the program, it drove, uh, sort of developing your research interests. And at that time, I, I really started looking, uh, not only at, 
you know, what my research interests were, but, you know, what was, what I was personally interested in, um, personally invested in. And so it really began sort of this uh, culminating uh, sort of cathartic moment where, um, you know, I started thinking about some experiences that I had as an undergrad um, with some tragedies that occurred at my undergraduate institution. Um, and then also um, at my uh, at Mississippi State, uh, where I did my master's work, uh, some things happened there. Uh, while I was a grad student there, Texas A&M bonfire occurred. Um, so I really began to be both personally and professionally interested in how college students, traditionally aged college students, process traumatic stressors uh, while they while they were studying. And so it began this sort of love affair, if you will, with uh, community preparedness, disaster management, emergency management. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, and I guess this all kind of led into my dissertation study uh, and uh, my new career, if you will. Um, you know, one of my dissertation topic was to uh, analyze the systemic response of a variety of different types of institutions around the country and how they uh, handled and processed traumatic events that occurred on their campus. Uh, so a, a very informative time uh, in my career, and it really developed into something that, to be honest with you, I had no idea it would lead into at the time. But people often say that about um, individuals' dissertations. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but this certainly did. Um, and then to kind of, uh, I don't want to skip too many of the formative moments there, but uh, that dissertation led into my faculty role, eventually led into my faculty role at Mississippi State University, where I was first an assistant professor of community preparedness and disaster management, and, excuse me, and now serve as an associate professor for community preparedness and disaster management. So I've got um, leadership responsibilities for all 82 counties across the state of Mississippi, uh, no stranger to natural disasters, and um, and then also with extension programs and programming, you know, and we have regional and national programs as well, and we're charged with leadership and administrative responsibilities there. Uh, I think that one of the things that will really tie into the rest of our conversation today is to really understand where my academic home is on campus, and that's in the School of Human Sciences on campus, mm-hmm. is interested in development across the lifespan. So as I mentioned before, my focus area is community preparedness and disaster management, so I try to tie that focus area into the mission of the School of Human Sciences. So think community preparedness and disaster management across the lifespan. And that really, I think that brings us to uh, the discussion about uh, the program that we're focusing on today, which is My PI National. Uh, it's a team, or I, I guess I, I should say the model is known as My PI or My Preparedness Initiatives. Uh, it's a teen-centric program uh, designed for teenagers. So within that context of, of uh, across the lifespan, focusing on disaster management and community preparedness with that age group. So that's really cool. And I'm really excited about talking about my PI. Before we get into that, I want to ask you a couple of questions here because I think this is interesting. And I think people should, should really understand uh, where you're coming from. So now, not only did you, you start this program, but it's, it's really well, it's an award-winning program. In 2014, you're selected as the White House Champion of Change uh, for innovative work in the youth preparedness. Um, and so let's kind of tell you what this is about. So when you were looking at this, how did you decide that 
teenage preparedness is where you wanted to just to focus? So yeah, great question. Thank you for for asking that. And uh, you know, one of one of the things that we always talk about as extension educators is we know that one of the best ways to drive messages home to parents and guardians is through our youth. And I, I know it's sort of commonplace for younger folks these days to think that their parents don't pay attention to what they say, but it, that's completely not true. And, um, you know, I, I'm all the time focused on the messages that my, my 10 year old, my seven year old are bringing home, uh, to me. And we know that, uh, households where our teens bring preparedness information home are 75% more likely to have enhanced preparedness measures. Um, and, and I think, and in saying that, I'll also inject this as well. You know, when we developed this program concept-wise in Mississippi in 2011, so it took us two years to build out the model of this program, connect all the dots, find the funding, and all of the, the right partners. We wanted to be successful from the get-go. And, um, you know, I, what really led to this is, first of all, we're, you know, five years removed and still recovering from the effects of Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we're seeing a, a, a spike in severe weather storms on an annual basis. And I was actually, all of this had been on my mind, but I remember there's one seminal moment where I was out um, working recovery on a tornado in a, um, a neighboring county. And, you know, I'd seen tornado damage before. It was nothing new. Uh, but I guess I was just kind of lost in thought and trying to reflect on the damage around us at the time. And I looked down and, you know, I'm right in the middle of a field, farmland. And, of course, there's a lot of that in Mississippi. Um, and I see a doll, a child's doll, and just covered in tornado debris. And that particular moment really stuck with me. And I thought, you know, as, as I look around and survey the damage of these tornadoes and uh, how our rural communities, and we're a largely rural state, um, predominantly rural state, how these communities and these populations are suffering, uh, despite the fact that, you know, we see them and supposedly we're preparing them for the types of disasters that they may see. I just was floored all of a sudden and thought, you know what, the way we're preparing our communities isn't working anymore. The lessons that we're giving them are not resonating. And that that picture, that mental image, I still have it to this day, that mental image that I had in my head of this doll and, and how a, a child had, you know, pretty much lost everything. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things that really touched me. And uh, it got me motivated to, to think about, you know, an innovative way, an engaging way that we can reach out to a population that is traditionally not seen as or, 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 or not seen as um, a group that has a voice or that has uh, the skill sets necessary to help prepare their communities. Um, you know, and, and if you think about it, and I know this is uh, a lot of a lot of people will understand this. You know, when we were growing up, uh, we were always told that in the event that something bad happens, stay out of the way and let the professionals or the adults handle the work. Right. But you know, while we're not teaching, obviously, we're not teaching our teens to self-deploy and to put them in harm's way, uh, we want to bring them back to the table and to empower them and to engage them in the preparedness discussion and all of the preparedness uh, strategies to help make our uh, communities uh, more prepared and more resilient. So 
you know, about a quarter of the U.S. population is under the age of 18. And while I know that not all of those are teenagers, that's a significant, a sizable portion of the population. And they've got energy and they've got creativity and they've got great ideas. They just need some direction and some guidance. And our program gives them that. So you were at the National CERT Conference in San Diego. What did you give there and what did you take away? So, yeah, we were, uh, it was a great conference. Um, we were pleased to be invited uh, to be a part of, of that particular conference. We had actually been at the, the, in the previous year's conference in Florida as well. Um, but showcasing what our program does, uh, how we do it, answering, basically answering the reporters' questions. You know how, how those conferences go is a, a great information session and promotional opportunity for our programs. Specifically, we were there because we have earmarked funding for MyPI California. Um, so we wanted to generate interest among uh, CERT members while we were there because CERT is, is the foundation for our program. Uh, we have a lot of more components to it, um, but we knew that we would find an interested audience uh, when we showed up in San Diego for this conference, and that, that was certainly the case. Um, so, yeah, and, and so going in, we knew that we wanted to promote it. Uh, we wanted to get to, to drive interest, to let folks know what we were doing. Um, and then to establish a place to begin installation of, of the program and also initial deliveries of the program. Uh, MyPI is not, not meant to be a one-and-done program, if you will. It's designed uh, to become sustainable and to really take root in the communities uh, involving first responders, members of the first responder community, uh, government and school officials, parents, instructors, students, um, and so it's, it's all encompassing and, uh, we want to make sure we're on firm ground there in California. So that's one of the reasons that we went out and, uh, taking away, uh, I will just say that we had a lot of interest, um, particularly in, uh, Northern California, which was interesting because we were in Southern California for the conference. Um, but we did come away with some, um, some pretty motivated potential instructors for the program. Um, so we're in that process right now of, of talking with them and, and, and getting a strategy together with some of our partners in California uh, to implement this program. Now, for those of you guys who are listening, it's not just California and or Mississippi that has this program. You're in 27 states and two territories. Um, how, how could somebody who's interested in, in starting a program or, or getting information, you know, what, what's the steps to, to start a program or like a MyPI? Sure, yeah. Uh, another uh, great question. And I think that probably the, the catch-all is to contact me as the MyPI National Project Director. Um, you know, and if it's, a, if it's an audience member out there that is interested in learning more about our national footprint and where we are uh, or where we're not, um, I would be the, the point person for doing that. Yes, we are funded in 27 states and two territories. We're not installed in all of those just yet. We're, we go in phases. Uh, but we have earmarked funding for 27 uh, states and two territories. We are in, actually, our, the next program that we have to install will be Alaska um, in August. Uh, they will be, I believe, the 21st program that we've installed uh, outside of the state of Mississippi. So uh, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're reaching our mark. We're also looking at expansion opportunities. We've got a proposal out right now that gets us to 35 states and three territories. Um, so the program, in terms of momentum, is at an all-time high. Uh, but again, if somebody is interested, um, in, it, it, even if they're local, I mean, you don't have to be a state-level executive um, uh, or administrator to be interested in MyPI. If you're local, 
and you want to uh, bring this program, you're interested in learning more about what it takes to bring this program, contact me. Uh, I don't think that there's anybody that can explain it better than me, um, being the National Project Director, but contact me, and then we'll talk about partnering opportunities. Uh, we'll talk about where we are in terms of funding. Uh, we'll talk about uh, setting up a program that will be successful. You know, I think that's that's the key point is we want to develop, we want to install and um, and develop a program that's going to be successful. We'll take California, for example. You know, we want to be able to look at MyPI California 20 to 25 years from now uh, versus, you know, this only being a two-year program. So we want to make sure that we're careful with the strategy, that we've got all the right people involved um, at the local and state level. And, um and that, that's essentially it. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the ways, and this may be a little bit more information than the general audience would like, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and throw it out there. Um, one of the, the parties that we contact initially is the land-grant institution in those states. Now, the reason being, because a lot of folks will say, well, why are you contacting them? Well, we're pretty methodical in that. Each of the land-grant institutions has subject matter experts in emergency management, disaster management, community preparedness. They're, they may have different lanes. Somebody may be involved in ag. Uh, somebody may be involved in general community preparedness, things of that nature. They may cover all lanes, which is usually the case. Um, but they all have subject matter experts. Uh, typically, you don't think about them first, um, but there are subject matter experts there. They also can guarantee, and this is very important, um, they can guarantee access to students uh, through their youth-serving entities, like 4-H, for example. Now, MyPI is not exclusive to just 4-H, um, but you know that in terms of growing a program, we need to be able to get data back saying that our program works and having uh, access to 4-H students that are provided through the land-grant institutions. That's a, that's a perfect uh, forum, uh, and, and, and it's a great partnership. And I uh, also don't think that it, it hurts that the, um, uh, the, the primary funding source for my program has a very intrinsic relationship with the land-grant institutions anyway. So, um, you know, and, and you know as, a, as an administrator, that's very important. So. Well, Ryan, let's take a quick break here, and then uh, when we come back, I really want to talk about some of the nuts and bolts of, of creating a program and uh, what that looks like for, for somebody who's interested. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we connect people with the latest technology possible, whether it's mesh networking, augmented reality, or real-time translation, allowing people who need help to find help immediately. Better matters because lives matter. Welcome back from that quick break, and, and everybody, thank you so much for listening to our sponsors. Because again, without them, you know, we can't do what we're doing and bring you uh, a great you know, topics like we have here with uh, with Ryan Akers and talking about the MyPA Pro, PI program. So, okay, Ryan, so you're you're looking at it, you, you decide, you know what, this sounds like something I'm really interested in, and uh, I contact you. What's my next step to get the MyPI program off the deck? So if a local if a local entity, a local agency, uh, it could be a school, it could be emergency manager, it could be a fire chief, anyone. It could be a concerned parent. You know, we see we see requests like that all across the board, uh, and and we answer every one of those uh, that every one of those requests that comes to us. And 
uh, just real quickly, I, I, we take a lot of pride in the fact that, you know, we are, we are a grassroots program at its core. Um, you know, if you think back, uh, we did not, uh, in, in 2013, we were a three-county program in Mississippi. Um, in 2019, we're funded in 27 states and two territories uh, with three national awards. In fact, we were just informed that my PI Georgia uh, won a national award as well. So um, that, it, we'll lay claim to that too, <laughs> based on the, the great work that they're doing in Georgia. But so what happens after is uh, we take a look at um, the available partners out there. And again, we're thinking long term. So we try to exploit that relationship with the land grant institution. Uh, we try to pull in uh, state emergency management um, because again, you know, we are in, we are in the business of developing sustainable youth preparedness programs. And I'll, I'll use uh, California as an example. Again, it doesn't make sense for my PI national, which is based in Mississippi to continually operate and admin a youth preparedness program from Mississippi, but for California. So what we do is, based on the model that we created in Mississippi, we replicate these programs, and after it, it, and the cycle is typically two years. After a two-year funding cycle, what we do is we turn over all the deliverables and uh, transfer ownership of all the deliverables over to the state hosting agency. So, for example, in California, if it's University of California Extension uh, or California Volunteers, we will eventually turn that program over to the program manager. Now, we don't step away. Uh, well, actually, I think we that's probably the, the best way to envision it. Um, we, we sort of step to the side. Uh, because mm -hmm. of the, the MyPI brand name and the subject matter expertise that we bring, uh, we're not going to completely just leave our, our, our cohorts um, and, and, and our colleagues that are passionate about this program we're not going to leave them by themselves out on an island to continue to grow their programs. We still work with them. Um, in fact, you know, we've got several uh, programs in our phase one um, pilot phase of MyPI National that we've transitioned over, uh, Nebraska, Hawaii, Illinois. Those are all uh, some of our exemplary programs from phase one. So they, have, they maintain full ownership of their program, uh, staying true to the MyPI model um, and how we engage and empower our students. Uh, but they run it now instead of us. And occasionally they come to us and say, you know, can you help us with this? What are your thoughts on that? Have you thought about this at the national level? And um, so we never really lose that communication piece. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, to, to get back to your original question there, uh, once the interest comes to us from a local or state entity, we follow up. And uh, what we'll do is, you know, if the funding is there, um, what we do is we start to partner and develop and foster those relationships with, with uh, community and state partners. And uh, if that concerned parent or concerned member of the first responder community wants to become an instructor in the program, then what we do is I take my team out to your location. Um, so let's use California as an example again. We'll come to California and lead our MyPI, what we call it, is an instructor certification and training workshop. But it's essentially a train-the-trainer. Uh, very comprehensive, uh, over a two-and-a-half-day time frame, and those are some very long days <laughs> in that classroom. <laughs> uh, but we've got, and, and they're long days for a reason. Uh, we've got a lot of material to cover um, in that time frame. You know, we're not only dealing with community preparedness strategies and uh, developing uh, instructional skills, and delivery skills in our instructors, but, you know, we're program branding, 
Um, you know, we're developing relationships. We're um, uh, cultivating a social media presence while we're there. So, um, you know, it's a it's a lot of time spent in the classroom. But once they're done, we like to say that it's about a 95% uh, turnkey ready youth preparedness program with a uh, youth leadership um, uh, slant to it. And, you know, our instructors have to go back into their communities and do a little bit of legwork in terms of recruiting students, um, you know, networking with their uh, community assets, so local fire, local police, local emergency management, uh, potentially hospital. Um, and uh, essentially, they're ready to go once they have that classroom of students. We provide them with the resources that they need, uh, not only for their instruction, uh, but also for the students who take the class or who, who, who um, participate in my PI, uh, you know, we give them essentially what it is is a cert backpack. It's stocked with uh, traditional cert supplies. It's a little different in color and logo. It's actually got a my PI logo on it for that particular state, uh, and our students use that. So they get the manuals, the cert manuals, and again, it's not a watered down version of cert. Uh, for teenagers, this is the same curriculum that we teach to adults all across the country. Um, and so, and, and, and they get some other incentives as well as they go through the program, both the instructors and the students alike. What are some of the success stories that you have? Yeah, I tell you, that's one of the, my, my favorite things uh, to kind of look back on and reflect on as the national project director. Uh, that and throughout the two-year time frame, I maintain the responsibility of printing out every one of the diplomas um, for the students that we graduate. And we do refer to them as my PI graduates. They're not just participants in our program. Uh, they get a diploma. Uh, it's an actual college-style diploma uh, with their names on it. A lot of times, it's the first time they've ever received anything like that with their name on it. But um, it's, a, it's, it's a unique moment uh, for them. But success stories, you know, we've had... Um, you know, in the field, we've had some of our students that have had to practice their skill. Well, not only practice their skills, but utilize their skills in real-time events, rendering aid at car wrecks uh, prior to first responders arriving, um, uh, responding to family members and neighbors in distress. Uh, we've had uh, folks that have had to put out small fires. Uh, you know, typical success stories that you would see from uh, adults on a CERT team. We see that. Now, the other aspect of that is the leadership, that the leadership characteristics that we're seeing from our students, tremendous um, sense of empowerment, uh, in, enhanced sense of civic duty and the need to be involved. You know, they wanted a voice in this, and we gave them that voice by providing providing this forum. We've, we've shown them that their contributions are important, and, you know, when they're when they're going out uh, into the communities and doing their capstone service projects where each student is working with seven households to develop emergency supply kits and to enhance their family communication plans, you know, these students, they can see the work. They can see the impact of the work that they're doing with these families. And that's so important um, in developing young leaders across the country. Um, so, and, and, you know, if you want to look at the tangible uh, or, I guess, the uh, the accolades, uh, if you're familiar with HOSA, uh, Health Occupational Students of America, uh, which is primarily associated with our allied health classes that are taught in public schools across the country, um, you know, they have skills assessments and skills contests every year. 
they have a, a national championship. They have an international championship. And we've had my PI graduates that have won both of those uh, oh, wow. events. So um, that's sort of a point of pride uh, for our program. It's a big point of pride. I mean, students are the focal point of our program. Um, so seeing the work that they do, seeing the pride that they have in their communities, you know, which is, um, you know, and this is probably me on, on, on a soapbox, but, um, you know, we, we, you start hearing in the periphery of, you know, our, our teens today don't necessarily have that pride in their communities anymore. And, you know, that's something that we wanted to kind of tackle with this program. Uh, an interesting way to get at it, um, but that's something that we're doing and, and we're seeing that's working. Um, so neighbors helping neighbors. And right. it, just, it just happens to be the, the teens that are, uh, that are being empowered to, to make these changes in their communities and to, to better prepare um, their neighbors and families. So if there's one thing that you could say to all the emergency managers in the world today, what would it be? So, well, with respect to my PI, well, number one, thank you so much for the work that you do. Um, it's a, uh, oftentimes a thankless profession, a uh, 24-hour job. And, um, you know, it's uh, a lot of times, you know, we don't reap the, the intrinsic rewards that we should probably be reaping. Um, so thank you to all of those folks that are putting in that service out there to the communities. I certainly appreciate it, and there are a ton of people out there uh, that do as well. Uh, with regards to my PI, if there are folks out there, particularly emergency managers that are out there that are interested um, in not only expanding a current my PI program in a state, but uh, also for those that are out there that would like to expand on that, please understand that um, we're here to help you. Uh, we feel like, obviously, a, a more prepared citizenry makes your job easier as an emergency manager, allows you to concentrate on on the critical aspects of your job, um, and, and, and hopefully makes your job just a, a little bit more less stressful. So I'd say come into this with an open mind and, you know, understand that, you know, my, our program that we've created here, uh, we're not creating, obviously, we're not creating bands of uh, teams of teenagers that are going out and self-deploying and going to be getting in first responders way. Primarily the work that they're doing is in the preparedness realm. Um, so understand that, you know, we, we want you to be open-minded about bringing in a program like this at the same time as we're building this program, we want you to be a part of it. Uh, mm. That's so, that's so important in developing that local advocacy for a program like this. So what, what we like to think is that we're creating the new standard for how we should be preparing our teenagers across this country. And, you know, we don't do that without the support and advocacy of our first responder community, our emergency management community. Um, so, you know, we'll be looking for, for ways in which to involve you, uh, to shed some light on the valuable, the critical work that you do um, for our communities. And so at the local level, at the state level and at the national level, uh, that's something that we really try to exploit is that relationship with emergency managers. So don't let there be any misconceptions there. Uh, we're there to to help our emergency managers uh, and to make their jobs a little bit easier uh, by preparing their citizenry. Uh, we've got access to the students, uh, We can, and we've got the time uh, to be able to go out there and prepare. And, um, you know, our instructors are, are trained by some of the best in the country. And, uh, you know, they can 
they can certainly take that to heart as um, if there's any interest there in bringing my APIs to their community. That's outstanding. That's outstanding. All right, here comes the toughest question of the day. What book, books, or publication would you recommend to somebody in the field of emergency management? Yeah. Um, so, you know, right now I'm concentrating on um, – uh, not only on a youth preparedness focus, but uh, and, and I'm actually putting together uh, what I consider to be the skeleton of a youth preparedness book and how we're developing my API across the country. So be on the lookout for that. That wasn't a shameless plug. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a long ways away, but it's certainly something that I'm working on right now. Um, but you know, outside of that, uh, I like to take. I really like to take things back to the basics. Um, and oftentimes, you know, what I have to do is go back and, um, uh, you know, uh, whether it's rehashing on some of the fundamental components of, of the work that I did uh, or, or how I got involved in this by, by looking at some of Gene Jarsky's work, which was more centered around uh, campus crisis management, higher education. Um, you know, I, from a fundamental standpoint, I'll go back and take a look at that. I think he does a really good job of breaking down emergency management within that particular context. But I think by and large, what I really like to do is focus on books that deal with human emotion um, of disasters. So whether it's a Tom Dragut book or, or any of the other authors that are out there, uh, you know, the human side of disaster and things like that. I mean, I, that's, that's something that's so critical. And I think oftentimes we say, and this might be lip service, we say that we care about that, but in the daily nuances of our job, sometimes we're not provided with the time to adequately reflect on that. So that really brings it back home, um, focusing on uh, the, the human response, the emotional response to disaster and emergency events. Outside of that, uh, I really think that most of my time is wrapped up in uh, sort of these um, uh, what would be what you would call an analysis or an after action review of these these critical events that we've seen in recent years um, and the decision making that's gone into, uh, for example, a Katrina or uh, a Sandy response, a 9-11 response and, and, and things like that. But again, I also think that gets back to uh, the the emotional um, response to disasters, the human response to disasters. So that's really what I try to focus on. I never want to lose um, uh, that grounding, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll keep that, and I, I, I try to keep that as best I can. I try to keep that at the forefront of my decision-making um, as we move forward with programs like my PI or any of the other youth preparedness programs that we work with. Okay, so how could somebody get a hold of you? Well, um, typically what you can do is just go to the MyPI National webpage. Um, there's a, a Contact Us uh, section uh, or tab on the MyPI National webpage. Now, I'll tell you, and this is kind of um, this is a burr in my side, if you will, but at Mississippi State we have some, some internal uh, protocols for uh, URL addresses. So, and they typically make our URL addresses much longer than they need to be. <laughs> I'll tell you that from a national uh, perspective, uh, the website for uh, MyPI National is mypinational.extension.msstate.edu. Uh, oftentimes what I'll do in lieu of that is just tell folks, you know what, 
go to Google and search MyPI National. And typically that's going to be the first uh, item that comes up, but you got to be careful. Um, you know, we've, we've done some scans, some analytics, um, and what we've seen is a lot of times um, if we enter in MyPI National, perhaps the first six pages of results will be about our program, but not necessarily national. They may be Georgia, they may be Nebraska, uh, they may be uh, California once we get moving there. Um, so make sure that you're on the national webpage. But like I said before, uh, we still feel like that we are a grassroots program, and I think that's one of the, the, the uh, aspects of our program that attracts people to it is that they are going to get one-on-one -on -one discussion with the people that created this program. So any request that's made, uh, whether – I would suggest that emailing me is probably the best way. I travel quite a bit, so I'm oftentimes not in my office. Um, so email is probably the best way to reach out to me, but I can promise you that if you do email me, you will get a returned response, and we'll see what we can do about bringing the program to your area. And we'll, we'll talk reality um, in, in today's funding world, um, but we'll also talk about some alternative strategies and, and see what we can do about getting you up and running. Well, okay, well, we'll also put uh, those links that, that you're talking about in the show notes. That way uh, people can get the, the right address. And, of course, if you're driving down the road, your pencil's not sharp, um, you know, you don't want to be doing that anyway. So we'll make sure, Ryan, that those that stuff is uh, down there for people to, to, to link on to. Wonderful. Thank you, Todd. Okay. Um, so, so, Ryan, before I let you go, is there anything else that you'd like to say? Uh, yeah, the only, only thing that I would say is just kind of reiterate, you know, we have a, a, uh, a hybrid model program that's based on community preparedness and youth leadership. And uh, it's a three-time national award-winning program, and we're open for business. So uh, we're looking at expanding our national footprint, and we're looking at expanding our programs in the states that we're already in. So feel free to reach out to me, and uh, if it's not me and you need to be connected with a state program coordinator, then I will certainly uh, make sure that that happens for you. All right, Ryan, well, it's great talking to you again. I can't wait to see you again, and uh, have a great rest of your day. You too, Dad. Thank you. I appreciate it.